someone tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. Hi, I'm Ruby. This is Positively Confused, and I actually have a guest this time. I have my dad with me, so say hi. <laughs> Hello, podcast listeners. <laughs> that works. That works. Um, today, I'm actually going to be doing 10 random facts that my dad hasn't heard yet, and I'm going to read them to him, give them a little bit of a backstory, and then we're going to discuss. That sound like a good idea to you. Sounds interesting. I'm not sure how you know I haven't heard these facts already, but let's I'm, give it a go. I'm hoping you haven't. If if you have, then we can we can have a mm. bit of a, a laugh about it. Yeah. Okay. Right. So let's let's go with the first one. The average human body contains enough fat to make seven bars of soap. Wow. Whose human body? Like an average adult body. Oh. Okay. I feel like I feel like you shouldn't wash your hands with fat though. I think it's a bit of a weird comparison. It is a bit odd, isn't it? I can imagine that <laughs> some people I know who could make a lot more bars of soap than that. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that's rude. It probably is, isn't it? But then some people who would probably make a lot less bars of soap. That's true. It reminds me of my uh, my English one of my English teachers' sayings. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but instead of saying to somebody that they were overweight, she said that they're not a stranger to Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, I think it's one of the best things. Actually, and, and now you can say they've got a great deal to offer to the soap manufacturing industry. The, the soap industry, yeah. Um, and to to go on from that, actually, the reason why they've compared it to soap is because. Uh, it used to be made from fats and oils, and it used to be made of animal fats. That sounds about right. Yeah. Why would you a... make soap out of animal fats? You can't wash your hands with animal fats. It does beg the question, what are the cleaning properties of animal fat, doesn't it? That's a really good question. I don't know if there is any proper... Why would you... Okay, that's like saying, oh yes, my hands are dirty, so I'm going to go rub them on a duck. That doesn't... That doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't it? make that, any it sense. It does feel like there may be an experiment to be carried out. I don't there. think we should carry out that experiment ourselves. Maybe maybe My suggest hands are dirty, it. can I go and wipe them on a duck? Yeah. Or a dog. <laughs> I feel like if your hands are dirty and you wipe them on one of our dogs, it's not going to no, no. help at all. Well, unless your hands are dirty because you've got food on them, in which case then they'll lick them clean anyway. Yeah, but that's but, not clean though. They've got bacteria on their tongues. Yes. That's even worse. That's like that's like getting a plate dirty, giving it to a dog, letting them lick it clean, and putting it back in the cupboard. You mean I'm not supposed to do that? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Don't let your mum know. Don't don't tell mum. No. Jesus, I think we need to have a chat. That's not what you're meant to do. There, we have a dishwasher for a reason. I better go and re recheck the dishwasher. We, we might have to this. go do some checking of the plates in the cupboard. Okay. We can ask Purdy if they're clean or not. Well, she'll lick them all. <laughs> she, she anyway, will lick and then we'll them have all. to just wash them all. Yeah, that's true. And then I we'll mean, find out we haven't got any animal fat to wash them in. <laughs> God's sake. Well, considering you've been putting them in the cupboard, just Purdy licking them, I think they all need to go in the dishwasher. Quite possibly. <laughs> she seemed happy about it. I'm sure she did. She's always happy. You give her anything, she'll eat it. This, this next one is... Um, Something I think you'll find quite interesting because it's about golf, your favourite oh. sport. I thought I'd include a golf one in there for you. Yeah, I think sport might be stretching it. Sport yeah. might be stretching it. Well, it's it's the only it's sport where the goal is to play the least amount of it. That's true. And somebody did once say, how can it be a sport if a fat bloke can beat a thin bloke? That's true. I mean, yeah. you don't really do anything. You just kind of swing a stick at a ball. 
Yeah, I think that might be unsettling. Anyway, let's move on to the facts before, <laughs> before I say anything even more offensive to people who might be overweight. Golf is the only sport to have been played on the moon. In 1971, Alan Shepard hit two golf balls on the lunar surface with a makeshift six iron. That's right. Yes, no, I remember reading about that. And actually, this is quite an interesting one because now we're into proper dad territory. Oh, no. There was all this, there, I think there was uh, these ideas about he was going to hit the ball for absolute miles because, of course, the gravity on the yeah, moon is only a sixth of, of uh, what it is on Earth. And also, um, because there's no atmosphere as well to put any drag on the ball, yeah. but also actually would reduce the aerodynamics. But the interesting thing is, of course, he didn't hit it actually that far. Oh, did he not? Well, no, because he was wearing a spacesuit. Oh. <laughs> it's very difficult to hit a golf ball. Well, it's difficult to hit a golf well, ball at the best of times, let alone when you're wearing a spacesuit. Well, suit. that's true. Well, the thing is, is the first question I had when I read that was, where did the ball go? Well, I think it's still up there on the moon. Is it still on the moon? Yeah. Like in a crater well, somewhere? Well, just lying on the surface in a, in a puddle of dust. Do you think it would have just floated off? No, no, it's... He did. <laughs> I, I don't remember how far it went, but it wasn't as far as you might think. Oh, and, really? And then, of course, it, their time on the moon was quite precious. So why they were playing golf in the first place, I don't know. But I don't think they ever bothered to go and get the well, golf ball. if you end up on the moon, I think it's quite a good idea to just hit some golf balls off of it. What does what do they mean well, by a makeshift six iron? What did he do? Did he get a stick? Well, I guess he, he probably didn't take an official custom it? fit. Like I don't think you go Callaway to the moon saying I'm going to go I'm going to go play golf up there. I no. don't think that's the reason you go to the moon. It's going to confuse the aliens when they arrive, isn't it? They're going to arrive the first thing they do they arrive at the moon and they're going to get there and they'll be like oh well what have we got? Have we got some flags? We've got an abandoned beach buggy, a golf club and a golf ball. And, and a like, lot of a lot of metal, and a lot well, of metal. And they're just they're just going to assume that maybe this is where humans go for golf holidays or something. <laughs> that's if they know what golf is. Do you think they have their own version of golf, like that they play? Well, that's very interesting. Who knows? Depends. Have... It depends how many limbs they have. I mean, it might be an entirely different concept. Well, they for could them. play like double golf if they have like eight limbs. They could play. So, like, there's one hole at this end and one at the other. They stand in the middle and they just hit it both ways. With two of their arms. Quite possibly. Who can say? Well, when they, when they arrive, Maybe we'll be sure to ask them. really ambidextrous. They might just turn up and say, did anyone want their golf ball back? Did we you want the ball the back? Moon. I found it. I feel like they're not yeah. going to be that peaceful. You know, I think they're going to show up and be like, what? <laughs> we should weigh one of my six irons, actually. Oh, should we? Well, yeah, because to get something into orbit around the planet requires about 20 times its weight in fuel. Right. So if my six iron, for example, was half a kilogram, yeah. it would take 10 kilograms of fuel just to get that into orbit, let alone to the moon. Um, so I wonder how much fuel was actually burnt just transporting that makeshift six iron to the moon. And the golf, the golf ball. Unless fact, he made how much it on the moon. Work? What, you think he found some bits lying around yeah. the moon from the previous golfers? From like a satellite moon. that's like no. fallen down. Satellites, no, no, I think they're drifting. Okay. A bit far from the subject there. I mean he might have he might have just like do they have sticks on the moon? No. <laughs> Except for the ones we've left there, obviously. Well yeah, maybe he or maybe he used a flagpole. Possibly. Ah, no, he might, he have, might used have used the flagpole. Flag and then maybe the clangers or the soup dragon. But why is that a six iron and not a nine iron? <laughs> well, perhaps he, used, he just took the head of a six iron and used a flagpole to turn it into a golf I've, club. Again, I don't think you go to the moon with the intention of playing golf, though. Well, I think he did. Oh, really? Well, he wouldn't have taken the golf ball otherwise. Maybe you he? should ask him. It was an experiment, I think, they wanted to carry out. <laughs> right, okay, okay then. No, that's an interesting one. That's a good one, yeah. More than one-fifth... Of all of the calories consumed by humans worldwide is provided by rice alone. Well, that's great, isn't it? 
<laughs> I think rice is quite popular around the world. So I wonder, I suppose that's based on somebody looking at how much rice is grown and consumed around the world. I want to know who has the time to figure that out. Yeah. Why would you have the time so to, to go to, and do Well, that? exactly. And to work it out, you'd have to know, firstly, how much rice is grown in the world, which I guess is... A lot. Well, but it implies that all rice that's grown somewhere is sort of recorded. Either that you've got to estimate. And I'm sure there are lots of places in the world where rice is grown. If we can't we manage no to track how coronavirus, how are we managing to track every single piece of rice that's well, ever yeah. grown? Yes. I think this is a bit of an estimate. I, th- I think there must be an assumption that all of the rice that's grown then gets consumed by humans, perhaps, or all of the rice. And then who else? And then we rice? look at the total calorific requirements of the planet and something like I that. Don't, I don't know. Can dogs eat rice? Oh, yes, they can. Can and they? In fact, when one of our dogs was ill, the vet recommended that they had chicken and rice because uh, it's easy for them to digest. I to remember. Stop them was that Dory? Uh, well, it happened Dory, to Dory and Purdy, as it happens. Yeah. yeah, it's probably happened to all of them at some point. So, on that basis, their estimation, and let's assume that their estimation was done around human consumption, yeah. they could have assumed that the rice we bought was consumed by humans, but it wasn't. Some of our rice has been consumed by dogs. Now, if that happens a lot so, like, around the world, then their estimation might be way off. One fifth of all of the calories consumed by everything worldwide is provided by rice. Yes, well, exactly. But then, what about the rice that, um, that does rice get, get eaten consumed. by insects and things like that? Do Who insects knows? eat rice? I don't know. It's like a stick bug just eating rice, like a tarantula. Vegetarian tarantula just makes yeah, himself ooh, a risotto could, in the evening. You could, imagine, you could imagine an ant carrying a grain of rice going, look be at the size huge. of this. Yeah. Look what I found. Take I'm it home and be dinner. like, right, we've got a feast, lads. <laughs> <laughs> just carrying home this like little tiny grain of rice. Oh no, that's awful. You might, you might, right, you might know this one because I know you, you like your maths. But um, oh, is the, this a new fact? Now? Yeah. Oh, we've gone off rice. Okay. We've gone off I, rice. I do like rice. Though. Rice is good. You do eat a lot of rice, which is why I thought you'd like the rice one. Yeah. Um, maybe actually, how many? What pr- proportion of calories was it for? One fifth of maybe all of the maybe calories. one fifth of my calories. One fifth of your rice. calories is just rice. Maybe, maybe you only need to do a sample of one person to find out maybe how much the rest of the Maybe they only did a sample of you. I don't remember anyone asking that. Anyway. It's a bit unethical. It is, isn't it? Um, right. The mathematical name for the shape of a Pringle is a hyperbolic paraboloid. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I can um, see that. It's used for easier stacking and reduced the, reduces the chance of them breaking in transport. Now, I want to know who sat there and went, oh, yes, hyperbolic paraboloid is the shape for my crisps. That's what I want to know. Well, even before that, somebody would have said, what we really need to do is optimise the shape for stacking, but also minimise damage in transportation. What kind of shape do we need for that? Well, and walkers then some, didn't do that. They'll be, they'll they be, shoved them in the bag yeah. and went, there you go. And there was probably some intern graduate student or something sat at the back of the office go, ah, what you need is a hyperbolic paraboloid <laughs> or whatever you good, just said. It's a good chance. <laughs> good, just paraboloid. Hyperbolic paraboloid. paraboloid. I wonder if the shape of them is in any way related to the fact that once you pop, you can't stop. I feel like, mm, well, no, because I feel like that's the same with Walker's crisps, though. Like you open a bag and you don't stop halfway through the bag. Once you walker, you can't stop stalker. Mm, no, it no? doesn't work. No, <laughs> I, think bit, I think you went a bit wrong there. I don't think that's how that works. No. No. Um, I don't understand why Pringles are shaped like that and why the can is so oh. small. 
I can't fit my hand in that. Because it, it reduces the damage of transportation and makes them well, more stackable. Yeah, we yeah. already know that. You just told me that. You know... Um, but I wonder if the parabolic nature of the shape, and you know a parabola reflects all incoming light to it, to a central point, I doesn't it? I didn't until just right? now. I don't is, know. Is it that You're the one telling me the fact. A, a, no, I think it is a parabola, which is why radar dishes are parabolic. So, right. interestingly enough, there's a crossover between Pringles and radar dishes. Okay, okay. Maybe it concentrates all the flavour in a single place when you eat them, which is why when you pop, you can't stop. I feel anyway. like, yeah, but you can't concentrate flavour in one place on a crisp. That makes for a bad crisp. You can focus it to one spot on your tongue though when you eat it, maybe. Maybe. Do you know the um, the creator of Pringles is now barrel- buried in a Pringles can? I did not know that. <laughs> were they, were they very small or were they hyperbolic? I think they were like cremated and then put in a Pringles. Oh, can. I see. Okay. That's like the person who invented a frisbee was made into a frisbee. Right. Was that, <laughs> was that Mr. Frisbee? <laughs> Mr. Frisbee. I don't know. Were they invented by Mr. Pringle? Is that the bloke with the moustache that's on the cans? Is he the one that's buried in there? I don't think there's a person who actually looks like that. Oh, okay. I feel he looks more like the Monopoly man. The broke off the Go Compare ad. Oh, yes, the Monopoly man the and the Go, Go Compare, compare man. guy. He yeah. Like he does look a bit like the Go Compare guy. There's a few bars of soap there as well. I, I think, think they should advertise them as hyperbolic paraboloids now and see if they sell as well. They should do, shouldn't they? Yes. <laughs> I don't think they would. I think they'd still sell quite well with you and anybody who likes mathematical names for shapes. Paraboloids. But I don't mm. think they would sell very well for anybody else. <laughs> I feel like you'd look at it and go, what? What? Potato-based hyperbolic paraboloid snack. With artificial flavourings. If that isn't catchy, I don't know what <laughs> yeah, is. I, do, I don't know what is. Anyway. Right. Interesting, yeah. Your next one is, for 20 years, a cat served as mayor for an Alaskan town. I think I know this one. I think I've read this somewhere. Do you want to know the story behind it? Uh, I would love to know the right. story behind it. In 1997, an orange cat named Stubbs became the honorary mayor of the Alaskan town of Talkeetna with a population of 772 in 2000. It would not have taken too many votes to earn the position, and the small town did not actually have a real human mayor anyway. But Stubbs proved adept at the role, gaining fans from around the world and serving the position for years, greeting tourists and becoming a beloved symbol of the town until his death in 2017. What you mean? He was so he was still the mayor up until the point yeah, that he until died. he wow. died. That's pretty good. That's and he was a cat. That's more popular than most human people in political positions, isn't it? Really? I just think it's funny that Alaskans nominated a cat. But if you think mayor. if you think about cats in general yeah. and their approach to life, they seem like the ideal candidates to be mayors Do because, they? well, I've met our local mayor once, but I could couldn't. For the life of me, explain to you what they do. I've also so I, I imagine they generally sit around cleaning their paws most of the time. I mean, what else do I don't think our do? mayor's a cat. I expect the mayor of London would disagree with that, though, because they, yeah. they always seem to be complaining about the tube or something. Yeah, they complain about a lot of things, though. I feel like most mayors do. Maybe that's why they elected a cat. So he can complain. <laughs> no, well, uh, was it... Maybe what, they were on something here. Um, so is there any information about any decisions that the cat made while they were in office? I don't think so. I mean, I can have a I can have a quick look on the internet. If did we it look. come with? Did it like? Does the mayor's position in that town come with like a house or anything, or did it come with I... maybe a year's supply of tuna or something? I don't know. Oh, there's like there's an entire wiki of Wikipedia page for Stubbs the cat. There's Stubbs the cat. Stubbs the cat, honorary mayor of Talkeetna, Alaska. Oh my god, look at that! One of the slightly depressing facts about this: fact. he was sent cards and letters. 
and he drew 30 to 40 tourists a day to that town. Wow. So he's actually good for the economy as well. Yeah, it's I know. probably better than most human mayors. I hate the fact that his Wikipedia page has a section that says early life and election. <laughs> <laughs> what What's more troubling about this is it would appear that this cat, Stubbs, has been more successful in his life than I'll probably ever be in mine. Oh, no. Because he's risen to the Dad, lof- lofty heights done. of mayor Dad, a- and, and been good for tourism in the town of Talgeetno, You've been Alaska. outdone by a cat. Although, to be honest, that doesn't come much as a surprise to me. Stubbs was featured in an effort to protest the 2014 US Senate race in Alaska when people urged voters to write Stubbs in on the ballot. (laughs) Stubbs was featured in a video criticising both the Democratic and Republican candidates for Senate. (laughs) (laughs) Were there there any dogs in Talkeetna, Alaska? Because I could imagine that there might have been... I feel like they would have had a protest. Well, yeah, there might have been people out in the street with placards. Dogs out in the street with placards. There's a section called injuries. Hold on. On August 31st, 2013, Stubbs was attacked by a dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. He was placed under heavy sedation at Veterinary Hospital 70 miles away in Wasilia, having suffered a punctured lung, a fractured sternum, and a deep cut in his side. Poor Stubbs. A crowdfunding page was set up to help pay his medical bills. Stubbs remained in the veterinary hospital for nine days before returning to the upstairs room of the general store. As a result, he was discouraged from roaming. Don't... He was discouraged from roaming. (laughs) How do you discourage a cat from roaming? Oh no! Well, the cat. What would happen? I would imagine is Stubbs would walk to the door and say to to say. Who, to, to whoever is well, presumably a mayoral assistant or something. Um, I'd like to go out roaming now, and they'd say, "Oh, I don't think that's a good idea, Stubbs." Oh no! And then he would be discouraged from roaming. Donations towards his care or, were received from around the world. Or they might just wave a fish in front of him and go, actually, Stubbs, instead of roaming, why don't you come and fish. eat this fish? tuna. Yeah. Oh, no. Other incidents included Stubbs being shot by teenagers with BB guns. Oh, teenagers no. are the worst. Falling into a restaurant's deep fryer. Hopefully it wasn't switched Which was switched off and cool yeah. at the time. Thank- and hitching a ride to the outskirts of Talkeetna well, how- on a garbage truck. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... Now, interestingly enough, though, if Stubbs fell into the fryer, which presumably may have been full of animal fat, he probably could have come out a lot cleaner oh. than he did. You know what? That's actually a good point. Maybe he was really dirty and he wanted a wash, and he went, you know yeah. what? Animal fat. He let me said, just... I was on the internet the other let day me... and I found out, right? That... <laughs> no, I found out the other day because I am the mayor and I can make my own decisions. Yes. And cats don't like taking baths. We all know that. Anyone no. who's tried to put a cat in a bath will know how much they dislike it. So maybe the obvious choice is to have a quick swim in some animal fat and clean yourself up that way. Jesus. He lived to the age of 20 years and three months. Wow. That's an old cat. That's, that's an old cat. He obviously enjoyed his time in office too. He did. Well, good for Stubbs. Good for Stubbs. Yeah, and not boo boo for the dog that attacked him. He was called was. Stubbs because he didn't have a tail. <laughs> <laughs> so not only was he, they, he, they found him in a box full of kitten and kittens in uh, the woman's parking lot who owned him. Right. Okay. That's and so he lived like above the shop that she worked at. So he, he wasn't even an able-bodied cat. He no, was mis- he was missing, he was a, missing tail. a tail. And and yet he still rose to the lofty heights of mayor. And well, he good still for you, Stubbs. became mayor. There think... you go. There's a photo of Stubbs drinking a glass of champagne. <laughs> Is that the, <laughs> that the day that he won? Yeah. Well, you know, I say good for Stubbs. What a great example, shining example to all of us today. I bet he got so pampered, and he was like, "What have I done? 
what have I done in my life? And everyone was like, oh my God, Stubbs, we love you. And he was like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I've never known a cat to wonder why they're being pampered. They just like to lap it up. Well, that's true. Un unless they're like a non-touchy cat, then they just kind of scream at everyone. <laughs> okay. Well, good right. on Stubbs. Next fact. Spider webs were used as bandages in ancient times. By whom? Other spiders? Greeks and the Romans. Oh. <laughs> so... Apparently, they have natural antiseptic properties and are rich in vitamin K, which promotes clotting. So, I guess if you're ever out of bandages, loft. <laughs> Grab some, you'll be fine. Well, yeah. And if you think about it, in uh, Indiana Jones, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. there's a bit at the start of that, isn't there, where he's running down the thing being chased by that big golden ball. Oh, and he's constantly yeah. running through cobwebs. So, maybe those things were actually there. For people to use later as bandages but the spiders use them as bandages as well that would be an interesting question i feel like spiders it? don't really get injured that much and if they do they die i guess so do spiders well, bleed yeah of course they do yeah but like they get their legs ripped off and stuff and they're fine well who does that then is that what you've been up to <laughs> i don't know i personally don't li rip legs off spiders but like you've seen spiders with less legs than they're meant to have but they're fine they just keep just keep going well, that's true. Which reminds me of a, actually... Prosthetic I mean, spider legs. You just reminded <laughs> me of a, of a completely unrelated interesting fact. Right. And that is the average number of legs that a human has is less than two. What? Well, because there <laughs> less are Less than two. Because there are some people who don't have two legs. Yeah, but average. Right. But there are some people that don't have two legs, but there's nobody who has more than two legs. That's so true. the average has well, to there be might less be. than two. So the average number of legs a human has is less than two. There might be people with more than two legs. I don't believe there are. Oh. Anyway. There might be. Um, yeah, spiders web. So the who was it again? The Greeks? The Greeks and the Romans. The Greeks and the Romans. Yes. Uh, interesting bunch. They came up with all kinds of interesting ideas, the Greeks yeah. and the Romans. They, I want to know who... I feel like there became a crisis where they like ran out of like what they used as bandages and then like somebody was bleeding out and they just went right i don't know what i'm gonna do here but that looks like i can put it on your wound they just grabbed a cobweb and just yeah yeah i can just see that there it's like uh we've got nothing i'll tell you what i'm just gonna wrap you up in this sticky horrible cobweb i found in the corner i feel like that would just get all like in the wound and make it all well isn't that gross. the point though if there's lots of vitamin k it helps the clotting Ooh, process so you actually want it to get in the that's wound because it helps disgusting. the blood clot oh that's so bad I wouldn't put cobwebs in my wounds. Do you imagine, like, with the Romans, if they were going to war and then they have, like, a field medic and he's basically, he's got a backpack and in it he's just got loads of spiders. Oh. He's, like, making webs and he's like, hurry up, guys, we've got another man down. I need to bandage his leg up. He just, like, tamed a load of spiders mm. and they just make webs in his backpack. Ugh. Yeah. No, I don't like that. I don't like Is there any particular type of spider? No, it just says spider webs. Okay, I might give that a go next time I what? cut next time I cut myself, I might have a go with a spider mean, web. As a spider in my shower head you can use you like. The irony of it is actually I cut my thumb when I was when I was working on my car and there are there is a spider living in my car that leaves cobwebs on the wing mirrors. Oh. I could if I'd have known that fact then just, I could have just stuck my thumb in the wing mirror cobwebs and I Do you think if fine. you accidentally like get a spider on your wound though, it goes horribly wrong? Do you think you get like an infection or something? I think that probably depends on the kind of spider, but if I got a spider on a wound, I think I would be freaking out enough to not really worry about the those the kind repercussions. Of things. Spider anywhere on me, whether I'm in good health or not, is not a good thing. Oh dear. Anyway, right, moving on from spiders because yep. I don't like spiders. spiders I feel yeah. like you could have. I feel like you probably know this one, but cotton candy was invented by a dentist. 
I don't know. It's a bit I, it does, that sounds vaguely familiar, actually, but right. But I I couldn't say any more than that. And it is a little bit ironic, isn't it? Because what is it? Yeah. Basically, sugar. Yeah. yeah. Dentist William Morrison and confectioner John C. Wharton invented machine-spun cotton candy in 1897. I'm guessing this was an American dentist. It was. Yeah. It was first introduced at the at the 1904 World's Fair as fairy floss, and then another dentist, Joseph Lacau, invented reinvented the machine in 1921. He came up with the name cotton candy, which replaced fairy floss, and then the English people took both of them and said, "We want both," and that's why we have candy floss. Candy floss. <laughs> oh, very good. So, do you think this was like? Uh, one of those cases where the dentist thought, oh, I'm not getting much business. What I need to do is what I need to do? come up with a food product Sabotage. that's going to ruin people's <laughs> teeth and then I'll be very busy for the And then I will make some money. And then his mate, the, the confectioner, came round and said, uh, I've got just the thing for you. <laughs> we could do each other We could do each other a, a helping hand here. A so we can have hand. a dentist endorse cotton candy and then we can so the dentist will get loads more business and then loads of people will buy it that's off the so that's so bad though because imagine like you just eat this a load of cotton candy and then you realize you need to go to the dentist and then you just show up and the dentist like oh you ate my product it's fine pay me and i'll fix you well yes quite exactly it's I mean, a marketing it's, it's ploy <laughs> and interestingly enough it's quite a lot like spider webs i wonder if you could use it as bandages as well bandages well you know like cotton candy when no candy that's floss. so much do you know how sticky that would well, get exactly, but cobwebs are sticky you could just wrap it around your finger maybe the sugar would does sugar help clotting i don't know does sugar help clotting well, i don't we know it's not good for your teeth and probably well it's not good for your arteries either maybe it does help clotting i don't know hold on I need to. Does I, does, I feel like I'm going to get put on a, le- a list of some sort. Of, so, I just what <laughs> some sort for googling. Does sugar help clotting? Is it about? Is it? Have we reached the point in this podcast where somebody has to say, "Don't try this at home"? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we have to. I think we've reached the point where we we have to say, "Don't try this at home." This, this is entirely random speculation <laughs> and not genuine medical advice we're giving out. Is here. it the next one where we're definitely going to have to say no? It's the one after where I'm definitely going to have to say, "Don't try this at home." Okay. Um, it is unlikely pouring sugar into a wound will do much for clotting. You'll be better off applying direct pressure. But for centuries, sugar and honey has been poured into wounds to fight infection. Oh, well, there you go. So. In the in the absence, is this helpful? Yes. <laughs> in the absence of bandages, and in, if you can't find bandages and, and you can't find cobwebs, cobwebs, you could sugar. potentially fall back to candy floss, if as we you, would call if it. If you have candy. an infection, otherwise, if you don't have an infection, you might give yourself one with the cotton candy. Yeah, and failing that, find a, a hive with some bees in for some honey. A hive with some bees in. I don't think you should. What, what if a bee gets in your wound? Ow. Oh, yeah. That, Ow. Yeah. Almost, we've always gone full circle now, isn't we it? Have. So you get stung by the bee trying to get honey, so now you need a bandage. But you don't so you have any bandages. bandages so you get some spider's webs, and then you can't have spider's webs, so, so then you, you have to cotton go get... candy and honey, but then you get to the hive <laughs> and, and you get, get stung, stung again. Yeah. <laughs> full circle. Circle so of life. We, we need an antiseptic thing here. Apparently, if you want to clot your wounds, um, ice. Ice. Ice Maybe. is your way to go. Okay. Ice is your way to go. Next one. Don't pour honey in your wounds. Um, Okay. A New Orleans hotel offered a $15,000 stay to whoever stole the most outrageous item from them. Ooh, that's interesting. 
Right. Now, this might be the most American thing I've ever heard. Um, In 2019, it was the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans that decided to celebrate its 125th anniversary by offering a free seven-night stay in its presidential suite, along with complimentary private dinners and a spa treatment worth a whopping $15,000. But this wasn't a standard giveaway. The prize was only available to the person who returned the most outrageous item ever stolen from the hotel. So... So good on them as a marketing idea, although it does seem to me like it might have a few flaws. But well, you're just so, letting people steal stuff from well, you. So, but let's so say the next question is: Who won this competition, and what did they steal? Oh, that's a good question, actually. You, what you mean? You don't know? That you, I don't you, know the you answer. Came out with that and you didn't actually know the, the the most interesting bit of it. Oh my god! I uh, wonder what interesting things there are to steal in a New Orleans hotel, for that matter. It's Having the, never it's been the there, the Roosevelt right? Hotel. Roosevelt. Maybe yeah. they've got a, a statue of Roosevelt. There, um, stolen. I don't know who won the Roosevelt Hotel stolen item thing. I don't know. <clears throat> it was a stolen coffee pot. What? That was the most interesting thing. That's so in boring. The hotel, a coffee pot. No, the most outrageous item that they could steal. I feel like they're not. Bear in mind you have to steal it and not get caught. I feel like it wasn't just you could walk in and walk out with something. Generally speaking, if you get caught, you don't generally steal stuff, do you? No, that's a good point. Because you haven't really succeeded. But was it an outrageous coffee pot then? Because a coffee pot does not sound like the most outrageous thing. Lee Guglielmo. I think that's how you pronounce that. A New Orleans local um, is the winner of its historical give back contest in honour of the hotel's 125th anniversary. Um, guests were encouraged to bring in any and all items they took from the hotel in the past. Uh, oh, okay. so right. That, so it was. A, it was not only were they offering this as a prize, but it was a way to claim back all those things yeah. that had been stolen over its 125 year history. So this guy must have had a, like a really old coffee pot from there or something. Yeah, I think so. How? More than 70 items were returned as part of the contest. That's quite funny. I feel like, do you think people showed up with like their little like travel shampoo bowls that they took from the maybe, shower? Maybe. And some robes and a and pair some of robes. those papery slipper things that they have. And like key cards. I don't know if they have key cards. <laughs> the amount of oh, key cards. Oh God. The contest received national attention and the hotel received a unique array of items, including... Oh, here we go. This is going to be interesting. A collage of Roosevelt reminiscing Uncle Benny, who stayed in suite 370 for 50 years. He had his suite enlarged and a wall knocked out to expand the kitchen and to allow for his gin rummy table games. So a collage of a person. Sounds like my kind of guy. Yep. Um, I don't know what that says. A, candor- a candelabra? candelabra? Yeah. From Mormor, Queen of the Mardi Gras, um, crew of Venus in 1955, the cruise ball was held in the blue room. Mormor and her husband, the king, sat at a table with the silver candelabra as its centerpiece. During the commotion of the ball, Mormor stuck the can- candelabra under her dress and walked off with it. Wow, that's good. Candelabra, you know, is like one of those things that has three candles in it that people always hold when they're in a vampire's castle. Oh, uh, right. So like ancient horror movie decor it's exactly that it's yes. gothic horror movie decor that's nice. exactly what it is a signed poster by the supremes estimated to be from 1972 supremes yeah 100th superb. anniversary banquet menu from 1912 wow 
An original hand-drawn blueprints from the hotel's expansion in 1923 to 24 added Tower 2 on the Roosevelt Way side of the building. So, so I, somebody has stolen blueprints. Hang on a minute. <laughs> All of these things sound more interesting than a coffee pot. I know. Unless, I unless the coffee pot was like one of a kind that, that, that they only had, and it, that it went missing like on day two of the hotel opening or something. Well, that would be good, wouldn't it? And then the last one is a table with artwork on top. Right, somebody stole a table on top, highlighting five famous drinks. The Sazerac, Ramos Gin Fizz, Bayou Swizzle, Big Mamau, and Jab... I don't know how to say that. Jambalaya? Jambalaya? Jambalaya. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why are drinks wet named such weird things? I don't understand. Uh, they're cocktails of some description, presumably. How did they win with a coffee pot, though? How? I don't understand. Oh, well. It doesn't say. Returned a historic coffee pot. Well, it was historic. Okay, <coughs> so let's assume it's an old coffee pot. But there you go. They've just returned a historic I think the list of pot. things that people did return was actually quite interesting there. Far more interesting than the fact itself, in fact. A vintage silver coffee pot. Roosevelt coffee pot. So I'm guessing it was really old. So what I might do then, for my next major birthday, oh, no. I could run a little competition, say whoever can return back to me all of the money that I've lent them over oh, the years. Oh no. Uh, How much money I'd have to return to you? It gets to continue to stay in <laughs> the gets, house for it free. Gets to, <laughs> it gets to worrying levels how much money it yeah but then i feel like mum would turn around and ask you to give back all the money you've stolen from her oh but the beauty of that is she doesn't know no stolen it. <laughs> okay well she didn't until well she surely if you know podcast. that i've stolen it it's borrowing yeah okay no good one i like that fact that was interesting that was, what, that what, was we got, uh, what was that what number was that uh that was number eight number eight. Oh, we've got yeah. two left come on then okay this is the one where i have to say please don't try this at home um, in theory, it would only take one hour to drive to space. Please don't try this at home. Ah, oh, no. Right, space. so if you got in your car and turned on the ignition and drove up to the sky at 60 miles an hour, it would take just one hour f to get to outer space, according to the astronomer Fred Hoyle. Well, isn't this because there is that designated line, which is effectively, well, I guess it's 60 miles up, is where they define as the edge of space. Because the atmosphere just gets thinner and thinner and thinner, really. And so they have to make an arbitrary point at which they say you're no longer in the atmosphere, you're now in space. Yeah, I feel like there's a few boundaries with testing that theory, though. I feel like you can't just go up. Well, no, obviously you can't just drive your car. You put rocket launchers on the back of your car. <laughs> well, now, you, now here's an interesting thing. So if you wanted to your car to get into space and stay in space, subject yeah. to our earlier conversation, let's right. assume your car weighs about a tonne. Yeah. You will need 20 tonnes of fuel to get the car up into space. Right. I so, don't think you can fit that much fuel in a car. You can't fit that much fuel in Is a that, car. That's so. why, that's why, who was it when it was safe? Who was it? Jeff. When it, oh, dog. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. He went Ignore space. the dog barking in the and, background. And Richard Branson. They She's went joined us again. Don't and then lo lots of people from NASA and China and other places, astronauts, etc., have been to space. Have been to space. Yuri oh. Gagarin was the first person, wasn't he? The Russian. I don't astronaut. know who that is. He was the first person to go into space. I like space, but I don't really care who's been on the moon. Well, no, okay. So, <laughs> so, so, you, so what we're what we're basically saying is, although in theory, if you drove, you could drive your car straight up into space, uh, you would be there in an hour. Yeah. In reality, it's a completely preposterous idea. Firstly, because cars can't drive vertically. That's Second the last of all, time as it takes to they would need they would need to carry. Well, if they wanted to get into orbit, they would need to carry twenty times their weight in fuel 
and no car can do when that. When you also have to go at like a bit of an angle so that you could go into orbit. Like well, well yes, that's the other thing. Once you get up there, you have to turn and start going around with the yeah. earth and accelerating that direction. My car, I think, has got a 35-litre tank. How far into space could you get? Now, that seems like it might require a quite a complex calculation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, theoretically, you could do 60 miles and 35 litres of fuel easily, but I could do about 300 miles. Uh, but So I could get well into space. Nice. Couldn't stay in space, though. But couldn't stay in space, no. You just start floating. Getting into space is relatively straightforward. Staying there is really, really hard. I was good, glad you brought that's that why, one up. That's it's why one, one of my pet subjects lately, getting into you're... space and staying there. <laughs> is that what you're planning to do at the weekend? Well, no, because as I've explained, getting into space is relatively easy, but staying, staying there is very, very hard. That's why Jeffrey Bezos went up and came straight back down again. Yes, because Jeffrey Bezos' spaceship could not stay in space because it was nowhere near big enough. Right. So that's why he and, kind of... And that's also why it was able to use rocket boosters to land itself again. Oh, I see. I'm sh- I suspect most of the people who listen to your podcast don't want to get into rocket science. And to be honest, I mean, I I'm feel not like a rocket we, scientist. I think so. we should one day. I think, but I think is, I think I should sit with one of my friends and we should do rocket science because I think we'd probably sit there and be like, "What am I looking at?" Yes, it's like the the whole thing about uh, rocket. Well, I've got to do I've got to do astronomy for my computer science because I'm creating that star map. I've got to do all the mathematical calculations for the yep. stars, yep. which is not going to be fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but I That'd think it's going to go horribly wrong. Right? Should we should we go on to our yeah, last and final the, fact? the number number ten number facts. ten the one that I the top ten facts began uh, the the intro with the dad hasn't actually heard yet. Um, yeah. Someone tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. Wow. <laughs> Do you want? To, should we start off? I want you to guess who. Like, where were they from? Well, it would have been somebody from I'm guessing America. Nope. Not from the United States of America. A man from Brisbane, Australia. An Australian. <laughs> tried, tried to, to sell, sell New Zealand, Zealand on eBay in two thousand and six. Okay. So a couple of follow up questions then. Okay. <laughs> what did I can't he, promise I have the answer. What what did he put in on eBay at? Was there a reserve or is it basically starting at ninety nine pence with no reserve? Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask I'm gonna consult Google. I didn't do this much and, research. No, and of course the second question would be how high did the bidding get? <laughs> I feel like you can't sell a country on eBay. Quite tricky, isn't it? Well, presumably it was buyer collects as well. By collects? Buyer by collects. Oh. Be, the shipping would be quite expensive. I would have thought to for, ship a country across the world. Oh, shipping New Zealand. It's a bit like that time that the Americans bought a London bridge off of us, only to become very disappointed when it arrived that it wasn't Tower Bridge, which was what they thought they'd bought. The bid had reached three thousand dollars before it was taken down. Oh, what did eBay not take it? Okay, I don't know if I can get more facts up about. So, what inspired this Australian to hang on sell New Zealand? Or it was eBay? an Australian comedian. Ah, okay, so it was one of those who launched things. a GoFundMe campaign to sell New Zealand after eBay shut down his auction for the country on the website. Um, Isaac Butterfield, a comedian with more than 1 million followers on YouTube, has previously made headlines when he was banned from Facebook for making fun of New Zealand. Uh. In 2018, the comedian posted a video response to a video by Kiwi Jordan Watson of how to dad fame. The response was considered racist by Facebook and saw him banned from the social network. Right. Yeah, so that's what he did after he tried to... 
and he said, I've had a long and sometimes volatile relationship with New Zealand. I even went on the project to defend myself after being banned from Facebook for making fun of New Zealand. But the people forgave me and I ca- and came out in doves in out in droves. Out in droves, yeah. To my tour of the country only a month ago. Oh, well, very good. But yeah. It's a beautiful country, New Zealand. Everyone I, I know who's I been there has always said how wonderful it is there. So it's interesting that this Australian seems so upset by New Zealand and tried to sell it. Butterfield says he did not know that his eBay auction would be taken down, but suspected someone reported it after he raised $50,000 in just over two hours. (laughs) $50,000, very good. Well, that would be a bargain price to pay for New Zealand. I feel like, how much would New Zealand actually cost? (laughs) Hang on. I think you need to understand the GDP of New Zealand to start to answer that question. I mean, and and then the question is, is it just the islands or does it include all of the people as well and all of the things that are on the islands? The fact that if you type in how much does New Zealand, the the top option is how much does New Zealand cost? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the only person who wants to know. Oh, no, it just gives you like um, answers on how much you should spend. Well, I would very much like to visit New Zealand one day, but being that it's on the opposite side of the planet from me, it may be some time before I get the opportunity. Just a bit of a side note, New Zealand is on average 42.6% more expensive to live in than the UK. On average, 42.6%. Crikey, it must be very expensive there. Then. It's quite, it's I feel be, like it's It's got to be up there expensive. with somewhere like Denmark or Norway. Well, when you ask how much New Zealand costs, it tells you that you should plan to spend around $185 a day. Like New Zealand dollars, which is okay. $130. Well, given that I generally wake up each morning intending to spend about $10... Well, pounds, because yes. you're not American. You know, but I mean, but <laughs> 10 pounds a day, then yeah, okay. Good. Past travellers were spent on average 41 New Zealand dollars on meals for one day. <laughs> Ow. That hurts my wallet, because there's nothing in it. I don't know how much a New Zealand dollar is, though. Australian dollars are not it's as valuable. It's $29, like American dollars. What are you doing? 41 New Zealand dollars is 29 American. Okay, so it's about yeah. the same as Australian dollars then. Australian dollars. Stra- Australian dollars. Australian. $29 in pounds is 21 pounds. So they spend yeah. 21 pounds on meals a day. Well, that's all right. That's, that's, if you were in this country and you were eating out and stuff. That's actually quite cheap. You would probably, yeah. Anyway. Cool. There we go. Well, somebody tried to sell New Zealand Someone and they very New nearly Zealand, got away with it. And but. they very nearly did. But it was a comedian and I feel like they wouldn't have ended up selling it. And whoever bought it, whoever tried to buy it, is a complete and utter idiot. Do you think an American tried to buy it? Uh, do they know where it is? Do they know where it is? Maybe. I think I so. Know. I think Americans know where it is. Well, it was Bill Bryson, the American, who said, visit America and watch your own country <laughs> disappear. Um, my American friend had asked me if we paid in euros here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's I a, mean, that's it's a, reasonable it's a question. fair question, but I mean, I feel like they should know. I mean, I know Americans use dollars. They do. And Canadians use dollars, but they're different. Canadian. Yeah, because they use Canadian dollars. And uh, Australians use dollars, but they use, I guess, Australian US, dollars. Australian and dollars. And, and New Zealand use dollars, but they use New Zealand yeah. dollars. And Singaporeans use dollars, and they use Singapore dollars. Why? <laughs> Why? Who knows? And I bet they're all worth different amounts, aren't they? Oh, probably. probably. Almost certainly. But yeah. Well, and on, and on that global economic note, uh, I think was, we should. I think we should end it here. I think it was a great. It yeah. was great. Thank you for joining me, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Yes. Uh, well, uh, yes. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, it's yeah. been fun. It's been fun. I'm signing off now. Bye bye from Ruby's Day. <laughs> bye everyone.